0: In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Please be seated. As Father Bright said in his sermon last week, there are Sundays you look at the passages and your response is, yikes. The gospel reading this week is certainly one of those. When we hear Jesus say that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when we see others in the kingdom while we ourselves are thrust out, that probably got your attention, and rightfully so. Thankfully, Jesus says that there are yet others from north, south, east, and west who will sit in the kingdom. As Father Bright also said last week thankfully, it is not my job or the job of any priest or pastor to make a passage more palatable or to smooth off the rough edges of it, but what I can try to do is at least explain it and encourage us all toward the narrow gate of the kingdom. The Gospel passage finds us somewhere in the midst of Jesus' journeys, teaching in various towns, making his way eventually to Jerusalem. Along the way, someone asked him what sounds like a very sensible question will the number of people who are saved be few? Many people, even in our own day, are asking similar questions, desiring with a great love for humanity that everyone would have the opportunity to be in God's kingdom. The response that Jesus gives is probably more and not quite what the questioner wanted. Had Jesus simply replied with, yes, few, or no, many, we probably wouldn't have this passage in our Bibles. Instead, Jesus issues a command not to the one but to all of them that says strive to enter the straight gate, meaning the narrow gate. He says many people will desire to enter the kingdom and not be able, perhaps because they seek a different gate. If we look up a similar passage in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 7, we see there the narrow gate mentioned along with its contrasting image that there is a gate and a road that leads to destruction, that is wide and easy. If we believe that following Jesus isn't hard, that we don't need God's help, perhaps we're on the wrong road. Our unease is amplified when Jesus starts talking about what happens when the gate is closed. There will be many, he says, who call out, Lord, Lord, who will not be admitted. They have even eaten with the master. They have heard his teaching The Master does not know them. St. Augustine says that some of these people are, quote, hidden enemies of Christ, end quote. He says, to quote again, all those who live unjust and irreligious lives are Christ's enemies, even if they are signed on the name and are called Christians, end quote. Another church father, Cyril of Alexandria, says something similar. He says there are people who, frequenting the churches, hear the doctrines of the gospel, but they remember absolutely nothing of the truths of Scripture. Their heart is quite bare of spiritual fruitfulness. And yet, thankfully, Jesus says that there are many others who will be included in his kingdom from all over the world. As scripture informs us elsewhere these are people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, from every walk of life. What is the criteria for those who get in through the gate and those who don't. Two things are mentioned in the text. Those who are left outside are told that the master does not know them or where they're from, and that they are workers of iniquity. The first thing that we must say is: entrance into the kingdom requires a relationship with the master, a relationship that God, by his grace, gives to you and to me through relationship to him on the basis of our faith in Jesus. Our relationship with God must go beyond having simply heard his teachings or even partaking in the Eucharist. Attendance at church every so often will not change our lives, but rather we need to be in more relationship with God through prayer, the Bible, sacraments, and through our community with one another. God's Holy Spirit enables and calls us To do this life and to be able to achieve it. Doing these things, following his spirit, leaning into his grace, leads us toward fulfilling the second requirement to not be people who continually do wrong or evil things. Instead, we are to live lives in obedience to God's commands, not living unjustly or unrighteously, thinking that we have a get out of jail free card because we call ourselves Christians but actually being Christian, behaving as Christians. As our text encourages us, we are to strive toward the narrow gate. It takes effort, but we are not alone. As we say in our baptismal covenant, we do this with God's help. And also in that covenant, we promise to help others who have made that promise to live out that life as well. We do it together. Here's an image that might help you think about walking through that narrow door. Have you tried walking into your house after perhaps going to the grocery store or as you're preparing to leave or come home from a trip? And you found that you may have picked up a few too many bags and you can't actually get through the door. As we journey toward heaven in God's presence, God sometimes asks us to lay aside our baggage to check it, as it were perhaps even putting down many of the things that we've come to believe we have to carry with us that are a part of who we are. Instead, we have to allow God and his grace to form us into the image of Christ. We are participants in that journey. It is God's work. But how do we do it? None of us are expected to do this on our own. Even the verb for strive in our passage is plural. We must strive together to do this. It is with God's help. He loves us and desires for us to know and love him and one another. If we engage in the Christian faith only on our own individually in an hour of worship every so many weeks and do not actually talk about and engage the Christian life with one another, then we are doing it wrong. We need his grace and we need each other and we must be intentional about that type of community, about having conversations one another with one another about how we are actually living out and fulfilling the Christian life. How are we being Christian? This is one of the major reasons why, at least for me, we are emphasizing discipleship groups and trying to get everyone in the parish connected to one. These groups help develop our love of God and one another as nurturing communities of Christians who are gathering together for fellowship, study, and prayer. If we intentionally engage in these types of relationships, it enables us to remind each other of his love, his mercy, and grace towards us. And from that foundation, enable us to face our own faults and failures and to love our neighbor as ourselves even those that we don't necessarily agree with. The church will be starting new discipleship groups next month, groups that meet for 90 minutes to two hours, two different times each month, from late September until May. That's the commitment we're asking. Not a long-term commitment, although groups can certainly continue past May if they desire to do so. And all of our groups in the church, those that already exist and these new ones We'll be studying the book of Romans at about the same pace. My hope is that you will choose to engage. My hope is that you will choose to connect with other Christians and seek to encourage each other to live into God's grace and to live into what he has called us to be and to do. We must strive together and together go through that gate. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.